Zimber, I wanted to talk to you about your Ethiopian mission. Yeah, love uh, to. Yeah, tell us about the history of that and how often you go and how big it is. So I uh, started it, felt like the Lord put it on my heart when I was 23. And um, so it's been around for 17 years. Um, and yeah, just feel uh, felt called to serve single moms and their children. And so um, we're about 30 minutes outside of Addis in Ethiopia and food, education, healthcare, and uh, kind of take care of the children while we're helping get the mom on their two feet and walk with them. So it was uh, the town you're in, it was a lot of poverty and- Absolutely, and, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you have extreme, you know, kind of ex mm -hmm. extremes. You have the wealthy mm -hmm. and then you have the poor. And there's a, a real chasm between the two. And so, yeah. you know, you've got the huge resorts owned by these Ethiopian millionaires, you know, right, and then right. you have people that can't get food, right. you know, on the on the plate at all. So we work with the Ethiopian government locally um, to kind of see through our own kind of knowing who who really needs help mm -hmm. then we do go to the government we want to build up what they're doing and so we work with the women and children department um mm -hmm. and they usually give us a whole list of women that come in and say we need help we need help mm -hmm. and then we do our own kind of extensive um interviews yeah. you know with them go and see where they're living and, mm -hmm. and kind of the situation and prayerfully discern who to take in because the list is never ending i mean yeah. we could have countless women and children and y'all have housing like you own the houses that provide for them? so we rent um so we don't we don't provide any housing for mm -hmm. the majority we will in like extreme cases um mm -hmm. where maybe uh, children have lost both their parents mm -hmm. and so we'll we've even hired women to kind of be moms who have lost their children right we kind of bring them right. together and rent a house or something for them a, a place mm -hmm. uh, but overall we don't do anything with housing most people um that have come to us they have some sort of shelter um, it may not be the best, but the goal is to not just provide it for them, but to help them learn how to earn money so that they can provide, you know, with what they've earned. And so mm. we see them, their situations change pretty drastically and quickly, mm. so. So that these like single mothers could find work, like you would teach them a skill or we'll something? Do, we usually, so we do a lot of different things. We'll take them into um, different types of trainings, but what, I really love to do, um, it's a little more extensive, but I believe it, it lasts, is mm. to sit down with them and what do you enjoy? And even the breakthrough when someone's literally mm. almost identified themselves as just poverty stricken, mm. they're not thinking about what they enjoy. Right. They're thinking about what they need. Right. Um, and so to even ask them that question is kind of a barrier to breakthrough mm -hmm. and kind of see them like, no, there's something you enjoy. Yeah. Oh, I, I really enjoy making coffee. Right. Oh, okay. Could you see yourself doing that every yeah, day? You yeah, know, and right. so we've had many women. I mean, Ethiopians, they love coffee. So, yeah. you know, the, a lot Ethiopian of- Ethiopian blend is exactly, top notch. So yeah. That's where it is. And so, you know, we've we've had them start small, help them to start small coffee shops. You know, we oh, really? do- Yeah, oh. we do a little, just try to find out, kind of get into their heart. Like, what what would you enjoy? If yeah. you had, were able to supply for your children, what would be something you'd mm. want to do? Some women, oh, I just really enjoy hair. Mm -hmm. wanna, you know, I love braiding and mm -hmm. ta -da, okay, well, have you ever thought of mm -hmm. one, maybe we could get you working at a place and then maybe we can, once you are in that environment, maybe it's something, see if you could start your own little one. So we do like, yeah. um, just like micro loans on a very small level. 
Yeah, I was going to ask mm -hmm. you, like, like, how much, like, a small amount makes a big difference. Huge right? difference. Yeah. Huge difference. So, I mean, if we it, see, and it's not just the money, it's mm -hmm. the money accompanied by accompanying them, mm. <laughs> right? So it's the money and then also, you know, training them up and, and mm -hmm. showing them kind of a path and walking with yeah. them on that. And so, yeah. oh yeah, it's huge. I mean, we've $50, you know, a month goes a crazy amount to where I can almost help start a woman's business with her. You know, very like, small. We're not talking about renting, you know, shop space and anything. We, we start small and we watch it grow. Yeah. You know, and let the money they earn develop into what now becomes their kind of nest egg for the growing yeah. of the business and taking care of their kids. I had heard about someone else doing that and not, I forgot where it was, but I, I never thought about, yeah, you know, we take it for granted, but just, you know, to have a banking system. Oh yeah. You know, it's like for a healthy economy. So businesses, yeah. you would need that. That's what I mean. So yeah. these women, they didn't have bank accounts. They've kept yeah. whatever little money they're able to earn. They've yeah. kept it under their mattress if they have right. one, you know? Right. Right. Um, and so we've opened banking, bank accounts for all the women. Um, but we do it with them, not for them. So mm. we'll take them in. We have one of our team members will go in and open up accounts, yeah. show them what that leads, which sometimes leads to needing ID and different mm -hmm. things. And so just try to kind of get them on the grid with, with some of those things that can help. Because once they do start making money, well, do they know how to save it, uh -huh. right? Do they know how to allocate funds and, you know, um, use it wisely? And so we try to kind of see it as a um, very, from a holistic standpoint to kind of see big picture and work and walk it out with them daily. Yeah. So we take them through about a two year program on that. Yeah, you think like just loaning someone to buy money to buy a sewing machine and that yep. enables them exactly. to all this work. And exactly. And then, you know, I was very successful in real estate. Mm -hmm. I believe I was successful because it was something I enjoyed. Right. Right. It wasn't like daunting for me to do that every day. And so I felt like when the Lord brought me to Ethiopia, it was like, well, do you think you're that much different than them? Like, mm. let's, what do they, what do they enjoy? What mm. are they naturally? Kim, like, I felt like God was asking me, like, Kim, ask them where I've gifted them. Maybe yeah. help to show where I've gifted them because wow. they're unique. You know, yeah. we could, I, I could go over there and open a factory, right? And have them all employed. Mm -hmm. But what are they, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is there fulfillment there? Yeah, is it, yeah. is there room for growth or right, are we just, right. you know, and, and, God forbid the factory gets shut down. What now? Yeah, now they're back yeah. where they used to be. And right. so it's, it's, you know, the government even fought me mm. for a long time on this, um, the project idea. They're like, no, just give them money. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like, no, we want to teach them to fish. We want to, yeah. it takes longer to sit with someone, right. you know, and converse and teach yeah. and yeah. reteach. Um, but it's, it's longer lasting. So that's right. what we want to see. We want to see self-sustainability over there. And how many do you have? part of your group yeah we have um i think right now currently serving over 100 single moms mm -hmm. and then and how many of you is like are volunteers oh, team. yeah team yeah. yeah um it's just myself in the united states uh -huh. and who um, else and then everybody else <laughs> yeah kidding. that's it and then everybody else is ethiopian wow yeah. oh okay yeah and so do you have ethiopian to do staff. a lot of fundraising yeah too much oh you so you go out give a talk on what you're doing uh, and, well yeah. it's hard because i'm yeah always given a talk on sexuality and identity yeah. and the father's art. So it's like, you <laughs> wow. know, and I think just in the United States, that's where our focus is, is like on, I don't mean this rude, but kind of on ourselves. Uh -huh. You know, I bring up 
kids that are hungry and not going to school in Africa. And they're like, yeah. oh, but yeah. Yeah. you know, there's kind of a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah. And so I feel like the Lord's trying to branch all that, kind of bring it all together. And so we're working on how to kind of put everything that's going on, you know, that God's got me doing under one umbrella right. so that it, there's not like a chasm between the two, mm-hmm. you know? So, but yeah, it's hard. I mean, I raise, you know, roughly, Eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. We yeah. operate on a very—I mean, that's a very low budget. But the the reality is, there's no American salary, so that helps right there. You know, yeah. Um, it's all Ethiopian. We have, I think, eleven current staff, Ethiopian staff, um, all in Ethiopia, um, and then all the food. We have uh, close to five hundred kids. Mm. You know that we care for and education for yeah. kids all the way through. So even once the parent has graduated from the program with us. We um, say that if they went through their part, we will continue to pay their children's education all the way through university. Wow. So we have kids going to university. We just had two graduate last year. Wow. We got four, I think four more going in this year. So, so you have 11 full-time staff over there. Full-time, yeah. Okay. Yep. And, you know, the is it like the typical maybe woman you're working with would she have like suffered abuse growing up? And We see such a variety of different experiences that people have been through. A lot of, um, a lot of women have lost their husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, some have um, never really grew up in a family, you know, um, mm-hmm. were kind of off on their own, maybe street kids themselves, right. you know? Right. And then, um, yeah, some struggle with um, addictions in their own life. Sometimes it's uh, alcohol. Big thing is alcohol out there, um, especially for the men. So a lot of a lot of these women have lost their husbands. Not necessarily that they're not alive, but they've left the family due to alcohol or going and starting another family. You know, a lot of women have the understanding or misconception and belief that if they give more children to the men they're with, then the men will stay. Oh. So you see a lot of women with multiple children, um, but no father. Right. And so it's very unfortunate, um, but it's very real. And there's a chat addiction. Is that yeah, chat, chat is very real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I, it hasn't, it, to me, that's a little bit more of um, kind of a little more on the wealthier side. You do mm-hmm. see some, some people who, mm-hmm. you know, on the kind of lower end of the yeah. income, yeah. but... Um, I would say like it's been mostly with our kids and like mm-hmm. their dads or parents is more beer mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you know that they have kind of homemade alcohols they draft up there and um, but not as much chat that is a, that is a mm-hmm. thing there I know but it, yeah. it doesn't seem to affect as many of the families we work with okay yeah and what is like their you know we can say maybe kind of a typical American maybe attributes what would you say your experience has been like some of the qualities of their culture that you maybe admire and things. Honestly, it's, it's funny because they are some of the most generous, mm. like selfless people that I know really? that I've ever met. I, yeah. I remember when I went over there at 23 and I, I just saw people in such need, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I remembered getting to know them. And I mean, I'd walk into a tiny little hut, you know, a little mud hut yeah. and they would offer everything they've got. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, we're gonna go to the grocery mm-hmm. store tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm talking about like, this is their ration and they, yeah. they yeah. hold it before you joyfully. Right. Right. 
Um, I remember seeing uh, a little guy that had so much, I mean, he, both parents died of HIV. He himself had HIV. He was five years old, four years old when I met him. And I just saw so much joy. Mm. And like, this kid has quote unquote nothing. Mm. And he's got more than I do. Right. You know, and so just this, and they, they know the Lord. I mean, mm. it's, it's so real. They really, I see a dependence on God mm. because they don't have an insurance plan. They don't have this backup. You know, yeah, if yeah. God doesn't know, they're like, yeah. God, I need you. Yeah. I need you to supply for right. my, you know, right. X, Y, and Z. And, yeah. and so I, I, I believe my faith grew massively yeah. from being even around them. Really paradigm shifts, not only the mind, but the heart mm. for sure. Yeah, I was telling you, I, I did, went there for three weeks. We worked mostly with priests, but we did go out into the parish and uh, it was in the countryside. I can't remember the name of the town, <laughs> but it was like a seven mile gravel road in this indestructible land cruiser Toyota. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I know tires. I drove one yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the, like seemingly, I mean, they had like farmlands around us, but it was like this church was just there and it was like oh, yeah. the materials of it. It was like, it was a marble, the interior, marble <laughs> floor and stuff. And um, it needed repairs and stuff, but it was a, a big, nice church and but i remember the families you know they wear the beautiful dress mm -hmm. the women did the white usually yeah it was white mm -hmm. they had Linen. Like a lot of them had head coverings yep. and um but yeah i was struck the same way there was this joy and i, I remember preaching it was something uh gosh now i can't remember but it was like I was trying to center on the joy that they have this gift and basically, you know, you're part of the kingdom. You realize this kind of thing. And they, they really responded to that. And, mm -hmm. and then just but after there was just a lot of smiling. I mean, it sounds cliche. No, you yeah. Know? Oh, I get but, it. Yeah. And it, I mean, they, they were returning to the mud huts and, uh -huh. and, you know, and they dressed up as night, you know, guys had like little, you know, coat jacket on and stuff. And, uh, but you know, the other thing I was impressed by this is superficial, I guess, but it, you know, they have whatever percentage Muslim, is it 20% or something or yeah, 15? Yeah, but they live amongst each other. Yeah. Cordially. Yeah. yeah, and then, but like the way the women dressed, I was, you know, so like the Christians and the Muslims, they had like head coverings mm -hmm. and bright colors. And I thought it was very beautiful. And it just kind of struck me like the care they did that with it's like if you don't have a lot of stuff and maybe you're in a mud hut and your front of your house is gravel and mud, you know it's like this is a chance to have some beauty yeah. you know and, and it's then, usually around their faith hmm. so like in a way to me it's almost the way that they honor god you know yeah. like even like you said yeah. when you're in that you know kind of village area mm -hmm. and the church was nice like yeah. they i really see them giving first fruit to god yeah i really do i mean again yeah. now that's not every single person, but mm -hmm. just as a as a whole. I mean, Ethiopia. What it's it's named over thirty three times in the Bible. Sometimes yeah. not just the the word Ethiopia, but I think they were known as Kush and mm -hmm. the Kushites, and mm -hmm. you know. But you have um, um, what's her name? What is her name? Queen Sheba, right? Ethiopian, right? right. You know, yeah. and just a lot. There's a richness there. Um, did yeah, you ever make it to Lalibela? Mm -mm places of the, I think, 13 churches hewn out of rock, built oh, from the top wow. down. Okay. It's unreal. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. And they, it's like the oldest country in Africa, right? I think like, it is. Yeah, it's, like it's, the, it's the only one that's not colonized, too. Yeah. yeah. It's the seat of the African Union, mm -hmm. I think. Yep. And, but it's also, is it, it's ranks up there like one of the poorest countries, it yes. right? It's mostly subsistent farming. Yep. And, yep. Um, a lot of poverty. I mean, yeah. and in and in different ways too. Just you, you see a lot there. A lot of, and it, it's so so sad to me because like you know I'm so used to. I grew up in San Diego, so I'm mm -hmm. so used to like resisting school. Like I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And <laughs> you know I go to Ethiopia, and the kids are like, please, I'll walk four miles. You yeah. know, just can I please go to school? And they've got nothing. I mean, yeah. when I met these kids, some of them were barefoot. Yeah. you know and yeah. walking miles to get to right. school right. and then they get there they don't have any school materials they're right. just trying to retain whatever they can yeah. on an empty stomach you yeah. know and that's yeah. why i'm like wait a minute no let's feed them a meal yeah let's get them some supplies mm -hmm. they still got to walk <laughs> right. right let's right. get them shoes yeah. um and so it just it kind of like grew in that yeah. way just very yeah. kind of organically of like seeing an actual need asking the lord to help us to provide whatever he's asking and and like i said to walk with them you know yeah and that was honestly that was like one of the things that and we saw like in Harare, there's some very deep poverty but like when i saw like the young people maybe without the opportunity and stuff for some reason that really kind of got me like yeah. you don't have that opportunity to develop yourself your no. mind or anything and, uh, no and i mean yeah. then then what like a just if you don't have those opportunities to learn right and yeah. to develop what do you do yeah. right and where does your self-worth and just a lot of things so many of them end up on the streets they end up either begging or you know kind of panhandling in one right. way or another selling gum yeah. you know and yeah. i mean and they're brilliant some of these yeah. kids i'm like my goodness but right if it's not mm -hmm. fostered yeah. what, what happens and so it's just yeah. it makes me so it i know that it has to grieve God's heart, right? you know? And it's not about, oh man, what can we make of ourselves here? But it just doesn't feel very human, yeah. you know, yeah. to, to not have these just mm -hmm. certain main necessities that every human being deserves, mm -hmm. no matter race, religion, like every human yeah. deserves shelter, water, right. Uh, right. some degree of education, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know? And like how much of the year do you spend there roughly? So I used to, in the very beginning when I, um, when I first, you know, I, I went over there not thinking to start an organization. I went mm. over there actually very selfishly, just God, I don't know why you put me on this earth, mm. but I know it's not just to make money yeah. in real estate, yeah. you know, and collect, collect. And, in San Diego. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, there's gotta be more. And um, just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And yeah. so in the beginning, when I, when I first went to Ethiopia, I didn't go with an organization or anything. Um, just went, felt like the Lord pointed out mm. Ethiopia. And I had a friend that was there. And so I just went to visit him and um, just started meeting these kids. And I'm like, wow, like I told you, I saw things. I was like, this yeah. isn't okay. And this, yeah. this, not only is it not okay, but there's a solution. Yeah. And I may not be able to cover the entire country, but God help me cover what, what, yeah. what can be. And so in the beginning, I, I actually sold everything I owned, sold mm. my house, sold my car. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna live there. And so I lived there for I think about a year in the beginning and then came back and spent more time and was kind of going back and forth, um, then went back. So that for the first seven years was back and forth a lot. Um, and then 10 years ago, started a new project in, in Bischoff too, right outside of Addis. And that's um, 
yeah, I lived there for about three years while I was starting this and God, God was developing this new project that I was describing to you about yeah. really kind of getting a little deeper mm -hmm. uh, with the families. And um, so, yeah, but I, you know, when COVID hit, you know, I couldn't travel. So it was for almost two years that I couldn't go. And so by God's goodness, they didn't really need me. They just needed me to continue to raise money, yeah. you know, yeah. so because they do all the work, all the right. Ethiopian team on the ground. And that's what I felt like the Lord said is, is can you raise up Ethiopians to help Ethiopians, yeah. you know? And so um, just to... went back the first time in four years. It was four years since I had been back. Oh. Yeah. Because of COVID. COVID and then yeah. also the ministry, yeah. you know, that the other ministry here, it's, Oh, it's right. hard to balance yeah. almost what feels like two worlds, you yeah, know, yeah. so. And do you have a lot of contact with the, like your 11 people that work? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. almost daily we're, oh. you know, and it's continuing to help develop program mm -hmm. and what's working, what's not working, um, you know, and also tending to their needs too. You yeah. know, if you don't take care of the people who are mm -hmm. taking care of people, things don't go well. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, to me, any, anybody, even the Ethiopian government, when they, come to our project, Unforgotten Faces, in, in Bishoftu and Debra Um, They're like, this feels like family. A big, big family, right? Uh -huh. um, but it's family. It really is like the the team over there. I call them a team. They're not employees. We yeah. are a team. We yeah. work together. They work together. Yeah. Um, and we've got a quarterback, you know, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of the calls yeah. and it isn't me. <laughs> uh -huh. um, it's, it's actually a lot of that is because honestly, the Ethiopians know yeah. best what their own people need and you, so, have, you have men and women working men and women yep okay. and it's it's amazing so you know remember i started it when i was 23 mm -hmm. and so um our actually country director so the ethiopian director over there for the last 10 years she just turned 33 it like it it yeah. hit me when i was back there i was like oh my goodness i hired you when you were 23 and she's yeah. like well, you were 23 when yeah. you started i'm like good point you know <laughs> it's just so <laughs> right, cool but we're right. it's it's actually a I would say um, the youngest running nonprofit um, in Ethiopia. They're mm. all, I mean, to be in your mid and low 30s yeah. over there to be yeah. running a nonprofit is, right. is not heard of. But I, I've just felt to, you know, that was my own age. Mm. And so I was just bringing in, God was bringing people and they were around my age. And so it was really weird even for the government. They're like, shouldn't you have a different job? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're young. This is usually what people yeah. do when they retire. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, no, I mean, yeah. our founder didn't. So right. and it's just so cool. So we're seeing it even hit like even Gen Z over there, um, just the younger generation coming in and saying, no, this is what I want to do. I want to help people. Yeah. I want to help my own people, you mm -hmm. know? And um, we're seeing people that went through our program coming back and now giving back. It's just so beautiful. Like one mm -hmm. of the girls, she just graduated, Yabsara, she just graduated university and yeah. she was like, I want to come and I want to volunteer as an English teacher. I'll uh -huh. have my own job, but I, I want to give back right. To, right. to God who gave to me. I want to give back to those who need. And it's just so beautiful. And how do you handle the language? Isn't there many yeah, different gamash, gamash. <laughs> I, you know, I, you, when you live in a country, you know, you absorb, yeah. you know, kind of like a sponge, you just absorb things. Yeah. It's so funny when I speak Amharic, like the Ethiopians, they're always shocked. They're like, yeah. oh my gosh, you are like as white as they come, but you just spoke like you came out of the really? womb of an Ethiopian. Yeah. Well, because, you know, remember, like we're more of a family type heartbeat uh -huh. in the organization. Uh -huh. And so 
I, you, you talk like family talks. You know, if I were to teach someone English, I'm going to teach them proper mm -hmm. English. But if they just grow up in the house, mm -hmm. they're going to speak real English, right, you know, like right. the spoken language. And so yeah. I speak maybe a little more street, you know, yeah. so I'll go up and, you know, when yeah. I'm talking to someone, I call him my brother, you yeah. know, and it's more from the heart, not just from the mm -hmm. mind. And so um, they're always shocked. They're like, are you mm -hmm. Ethiopian? I'm like, look at me again. <laughs> you know, um, So they didn't know if I was raised by Ethiopians yeah. or what. But yeah, so it's, um, you know, by grace, God's God's given me, I can communicate enough and yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll use English when needed as well, of course. So, and the name of the organization is uh, Forgotten Faces. Un unforgotten, unforgotten Faces. faces. Yep. Okay, so, so I don't even that. know if it's like an honest, real word. <laughs> I mean, that's how <laughs> words come to be. But uh, um, it was my first plane ride back, and I could not. Like, all I wanted to do, Father, was get off that airplane and pretend like I didn't experience everything I just experienced. Mm -hmm. I, I literally, I, I prayed. I said, God let me forget those kids' faces. Mm. Just let me forget them. Because I knew if I didn't, I couldn't go back mm. to life as normal. Right. We couldn't just go back to pretending like everything was all good in San yeah, Diego right. when I had. And he just seared their little their little faces on my heart. Yeah. And even yeah. after I begged him not to. And I'm so yeah. thankful he didn't answer yeah. the prayer that I wanted right. him to. Right. Um, and so I just, yeah, yeah, when I had to come up, you know, things started to develop. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And somebody's like, you need to start a nonprofit. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. No, I don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, I don't want yeah. to. And, and, um, and then we had to put a title to it. And so I was like, unforgotten faces. I couldn't forget about them. Mm. You know, I mean, that must've been a huge learning curve coming from San Diego <laughs> to run an organized company to work with Ethiopian culture, oh, government. <laughs> I found out I'm not like as great as I thought I was, you know, I realized the American way is not the only way yeah, and it's yeah. not always the best way, but yeah. I, I, and continue to learn as we come together as mm -hmm. brother and sister, like maybe there's some things you can learn from me and maybe there's some things I can learn from them. And mm -hmm. man, when we blended the two of those, like with the knowledge that God's gifted me with and the knowledge yeah. that God's gifted them with, um, he's doing something beautiful over yeah. there. He really is. And it's very unique. We've won for the last, I think, three or four years, top nonprofit in our whole region, which is huge because we we have a small budget with a very large reach. Yeah. The government's like, how are you even doing this? And then to the level of excellence that it's done with. And so it's just incredible. I mean, number yeah. one nonprofit when yeah. you've got World Vision, you got some huge nonprofits in our region. Yeah, like, I that. I forgot, is there the Catholic aid that goes over there? And the Catholic aid is there. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of Catholic outreach. And, yeah. and they're doing great work. Yeah. I don't mean that in a yeah. negative way, but yeah. it just shows, I mean, really, yeah. we our, our whole slogan is um, his heartbeat, God's mm. heartbeat. Like, we want to be the heartbeat in the hands of Christ yeah. um, in that country and in the yeah. unique way that we've been called to. Wow. I know when I went over there, I was, I didn't realize, it really revealed, like, how attached I was <laughs> to Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> yeah. yep. And I, I wish I would have sat down with, I, we were, we had part of the, we were working with like, I forgot, like 15 priests and two of them were Spanish. They were missionaries. They were Dawson mm. from, I want to say one of them was from Madrid even. And, and I wish I would have talked to them because I, I found out later one of them, you know, was living in his parish. He had like a tin shack, no electricity and serving there for oh, yeah. some years you know and it's like i i just had such respect for them after you know i was almost 
I almost had to take a cold shower. Yeah. One time. Yeah, <laughs> I was right. like this close. Right? <laughs> oh, I yeah. Like, I've I mean, done plenty of those and a bucket <laughs> cold shower. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> but it's, it gives you perspective yeah, that, yeah. that I never had before. And, yeah. you know, and then it's hard to come back to the States yeah. and live in a different reality but yeah. still have that experience in your right. heart and your mind and yeah. you know i just constantly i felt like the lord kept reminding me be angry don't sin yeah you, you can be okay mm -hmm. and angry at the injustice that you mm -hmm. see but mm -hmm. don't sin don't mm -hmm. don't let anger drive you like yeah. share what you've learned share kim what i've showed you right and, and share it with others yeah. you know and so yeah maybe we could end talking about um Describe for us the Father's heart. It's a big mm. theme in your talks and yeah. things, and that you want to have a heart for people. What does that Father's heart look like? Well, I surely don't know it perfectly, mm -hmm. but I've been beginning in the last, I would say, especially probably two years, just really mm -hmm. experiencing God the Father's heart. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm seeing what and experiencing what unconditional love looks like. Mm -hmm. um, I thought I knew, mm -hmm. but I actually, realized that even the love that I would give people is very conditional and, mm -hmm. and still to this day probably is um, in many ways. But I'm realizing I needed to receive unconditional love from mm -hmm. God to be able to even give it. I was, I was trying mm -hmm. to do it backwards. I was trying mm -hmm. to just perfect my love mm -hmm. for others. Yeah. And all along God was saying, actually, can, mm -hmm. can you let me love you? And, and mm -hmm. I felt like I just kept saying to him, but I'm not perfect. I mm -hmm. screwed up. I did this. I fell back into this, or I mm -hmm. chose this purposely, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, just the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. And I just never knew that he loved me the mm -hmm. same, mm -hmm. whether I fell into sin or whether I was the most virtuous mm -hmm. that day, you know, or that moment. Right. Right. Um, and so to me, the father's love is something that every one of us longs for mm -hmm. um and i think we can confuse it sometimes that because he loves us no matter what that means he loves everything we do you mm -hmm. know um but a, a a real tender merciful loving father wants to correct us mm -hmm. but he does it in love right. not out of bitterness or anger i always thought he was just kind of frustrated with me yeah like dang mm -hmm. she just can't get it right you just know not enough not right? enough <laughs> never enough you yeah. know and um I've just experienced the unconditional to a certain level that I never have. And I know there's more because I don't think yeah. we ever reach the depth, but. And what helped you to discover it? What was most effective? You know what it, a lot of it was, mm -hmm. um, was a lot of my Protestant brothers and sisters mm -hmm. being around some of these Protestants that mm -hmm. would talk this to me. And I'm like, what is going, why are you, okay, you don't know what I've done. And they're like, but it doesn't matter what you've mm -hmm. done. I'm like, yeah, that sounds real easy mm -hmm. you know like that just to be loved and, yeah. and not earn it you know and um so the lord really used um especially one one ministry in particular international house of prayer yeah. um they really started to unpack the father's heart mm -hmm. i took an internship um through them which was weird as like a pretty darn sold out mm -hmm. catholic mm -hmm. like why and um i would bring it, every every class i would go to I would bring it back, you know, mm -hmm. kind of gather the information that I was getting. And before I would like digest it, I would call <laughs> my mm -hmm. spiritual director mm -hmm. and I'm like, hey, because he's solid. This mm -hmm. isn't, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, God, I'm learning these things. But is this true? And when I say, is it true? Like, does our, is this the teachings of the Catholic Church? He's like, absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, why didn't I ever learn this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I felt like I kind of stepped into learning about God. I, you know, I came in in third grade when my parents, you know, found their faith in, in the Lord and. 
we all went into private Catholic school and I, I feel mm -hmm. like I got maybe missed out on that, you know, kindergarten through second grade right, where maybe right. you learn about heaven. Yeah. I feel like I jumped in and just started to learn about hell, you know, all the rules and, yeah. and the rules yeah. apart from his heart. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then it, yeah. I think, you know, that's where Satan starts to just mold God into yeah. looking a lot more like a cop mm -hmm. than a father, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so a lot of different things, a lot of, you know, my spiritual director has been so pivotal in that. I think he's kind of known as the father's heart priest mm -hmm. and um, yeah, some real uh, a woman that is a, like a spiritual mother to me that in my, what felt like my most broken moments mm -hmm. just loved me mm -hmm. into wholeness with the God, with God's love, mm -hmm. never condoned anything that God didn't celebrate, and right, condone. Right. but she just loved me well. I'm like, shouldn't you talk about all the negative stuff? And she, my goodness, just kept focusing on the good in me. I'm like, yeah. I can't see it. I'm blinded by my mm -hmm. own. And she's like, he's not. And it was so amazing that as, as God had her hone in on like the gold yeah, in me, yeah. how the dust, all the stuff and the muck right. started to go away as I started to see yeah. good even in myself right. um, and give God glory for that. It wasn't, oh, you're so good yourself, but like really be able to see and to hold both. Like I just, I'm all good or I'm all bad. No, no, no. Mm. Actually praise God for the goodness. Mm. and. Lord, help me with the not so goodness mm -hmm. and, and to hold both of those, the both and mm -hmm. not either or. And so um, Father's heart is is all about that. He's not just ignoring. I think there's so much right. like, oh, he doesn't like that part of me. Okay, but he sees it mm -hmm. and he actually wants to to love it out of you. What do they say? Love the mm -hmm. hell out of you, you know, or whatever. But, <laughs> um, but just in such a tender, tender yeah. way and yeah. never grew up. Like I always went to confession, like kind of scared, you know, yeah. like I got to do this never knew and like even in my mind but let alone experiential knowledge of that it's the kindness of the lord that leads us to repentance mm -hmm. you know and it's really been his sweetness that has drawn me to to lay down things that were not sweet mm -hmm. so it's a beautiful exchange and I, I sometimes wonder if we if we know that he's actually asking us to give up something because he's better mm -hmm. and if more of the world knew that we probably would surrender a lot more yeah you know yeah yeah sometimes i think yeah you go back to things that it's like because i'm not moving forward with god mm -hmm. you know it's like i'm getting whatever distracted by the things it's like embrace god he's got something for you here yeah. you know <laughs> yeah he really yeah. does yeah. like satan's done an amazing mm -hmm. job i don't give him props because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not happy about it but mm -hmm. he's he's working overtime and won't stop on yeah. really distorting who God is. Yeah. Because then if we don't, because if we really know and experience the goodness that, I mean, God himself is goodness. He's not yeah. just got some goodness. He is goodness itself. Right. Right. And so to experience that, we would draw closer. Right. We draw right. closer. Right. And so it's like this daily distraction of trying to tell us that God's not good, just like in the yeah. garden, you know? Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much, Kim, Absolutely. for talking with us. Thank you.